Modifier, the show that dives into the climate crisis in Belize. I'm Andra Habet. On today's episode, I'm talking to Ale Johnstone, a Kikaka resident who has spearheaded several mangrove restoration projects independently and as part of Kikaka Strong. It was great talking to Johnstone about her work and why she's dedicated much of her time to these wonderful plants. Let's get to it. I wanted to start off with a more general question than what I had prepared. How is it out there on the key today? Today, it's it's actually, there was a bad fire last night and um, a couple of structured homes were burnt down. And so the island's kind of sad. Generally speaking, 14 people are out of home and lost everything. But And the weather is good. But if you go out front, it stinks of sargasso really bad oh yeah it's, it's accumulating a lot right now yes it is we have one sweeper and they work very hard you know trying to keep the beaches clean but as they finish more come up and um, there's places they can't get to and uh yeah it's pretty rank out there Jeez. yeah i've, I've been trying to get together a, an episode on sargassum because i think a lot of people especially if you don't live on the coast, aren't very aware of how dramatically horrific the, the sargassum issue is becoming. And um, there still seems to be a lack of a national policy to deal with it. Exactly. Um, Everybody's just left. Uh, it's sad. It's, it's pretty, yeah, they're left to their own. Fortunately, we have a lot of people who um, have trailers and they're, they're picking it up on, the, on their own and um, selling it for landfill or using it for landfill. So they're finding useful ways to dispose of it. Yeah, I mean, there, there's yeah. uh, whole industries that have come around making bricks from it, from um, from using it as a, a form of biofuel. So there are manners and there are mm-hmm. means to, to dispose. Food. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's definitely something that needs to be happening on a much larger scale to not have to rely on people on the front lines like you guys to, you know, do everything on behalf of um, those who are most benefiting from beautiful beaches, no? Anyways, we'll go on when when the sargasso. I'd love to talk about sargasso. Yeah, great. <laughs> it's actually very useful in antivirals. Wow, I didn't know that. That's that's great to know. Well, maybe yeah. maybe that's where we're getting um we're getting it by the truck full. Maybe maybe it's the world trying to gift us <laughs> with something. Yeah, it. <laughs> it's trying to say you, you're gonna need this. <laughs> um, yeah, so- it's like yeah. We'll be jumping up and down on the top saying, hey, 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 while everyone's dying. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's get the show on the road. (laughs) Yeah. So I wanted to have you on to talk about Mangrove specifically because you're part of the Key Cocker Strong Project Mangrove team. And I've seen you posting um, a lot on the topic of mangroves for the past year. And well, it's been, you know, there's been this boom of gardening that has happened during the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's very interesting to see how the key version of that is going, where there seemed to be a lot of um, a lot of work being done over the past year in the in the in the area of mangrove restoration. Can you give us a little bit of background into how Kikaker Strong um, and the Project Mangrove specifically took off and how long that's been going? Sure. Um... In September of 2020, I was contacted by um, Dr. Rachel Graham of Mar Alliance, and she asked me, um, well, she told me that the Denver Foundation had donated a huge amount of money um, that was actually given by the Petersons. At that time, they were anonymous, and they were the owners of Lee's Diving Services, and um, 
So we we got this big chunk of money and they didn't they wanted to do something to create jobs during the COVID um, pandemic and also to um, plant specifically mangroves, red mangroves. And uh, then she asked me, do you know anyone like that? And well, of course, I've been doing this for 20 years here, planting um, like anonymously. I call it guerrilla planting. You know, when no one's looking, I just Mm -hmm. throw something in the ground. And um, I said, pick me. And she said, we'll put something together. And it took me a month to put something together. And then we started October 2nd. So um, certainly without the extremely generous donation by Chip and Danny Peterson and um, facilitated and guided by Mar Alliance, this thing would have never happened. And we achieved our goals. You know, we, we um, managed to get 18 persons on the island trained and um, in everything mangrove and um, trained and employed for, for up to 10 months. So we, were, we did really well there. Um, we increased the knowledge of the whole village through our efforts and our community education. And um, also we planted, you know, a a lot of mangroves, 1,327 mangroves. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. When you, so you mentioned that you did this guerrilla mark, this guerrilla gardening at one point, um, the guerrilla planting of the mangroves. What made you start with that as a, as a practice and what made you drawn towards a mangrove specifically at the time? Um, when I first got to Kikakur, that was in 2000 of March, March 2000. Um, I got here and, you know, I lived, you know, right on the edge of the mangroves and I used to paddle a lot in there. And then I became a tour guide and I was uh, the only person doing kayak and canoe tours, mangrove specific tours around Kikakur and um, later joined um, Miss Ellen McCray. Um, who is an amazing uh, scientist here on Kikakur, who um, was planting up in the Kikakur Forest Reserve on the north tip of Kikakur. That's 100 acres of reserve up there. And um, I helped her do that along with some students and everything. And I really, really got into it. Hurricane Keith came along and I planted, replanted a little spot that had. Um, been devastated not not much maybe 20 feet by 20 feet and they did really well and when and I had them every day on my canoe tour these are my babies look at them they're teenagers now and 18 years later someone chopped them all down except for four and I literally cried (laughs) during my tour and I said that's it I'm done I'm not doing these tours anymore. I'm going to quit and plant mangroves. And that was three years ago. That's really a turn. And you stuck to that? I stuck to that. I've, I also did kayaking with a purpose with our Ocean Academy um, High School here. And we began uh, restoration, private mangrove restoration on the north side on the property of Ron Osters. And that has been successful for the last, I guess we're going on three and a half years now. You can go, I go back and I go, look at my three-year-olds. And it's just very, very rewarding to see um, when they're doing and thriving and they're, they're, they're uh, populating on their own. It's really neat to see. On the other side, it's really 
sad. And we've learned a lot during these 10 months on how not to plant mangroves for real and uh, where not to plant them. So um, we're not always successful. How did you go about the process of learning the particularities of planting mangrove? And what do you consider to be some of the learning curve um, involved with that process? When I was just planting on my own, um, I didn't have to collect data. I wasn't monitoring growth. And I wasn't, uh, you know, if they lived, they lived, they died, they died. And um, so one of the learning curves of planting mangroves with someone else's money is you have to um, monitor and collect data and evaluate and um, keep all your stats straight and timely. <laughs> so that was one of the things that I learned, but planting mangroves on their own, they are, they are super, super resilient and um, they can thrive. But the thing is, is to pick the propagals that are super healthy in the first place and don't Try not to um, pick somebody that's already got a chunk out of it or missing the top to um, choose and harvest your propagals wisely. And I never take them off the tree. I know some people do, but I wait for them to fall on the ground. Now, all of our mangrove propagals, um, which is the seedling, the little tiny tree that falls, um, are picked up off the land. They're land bound. They'll never make it to water. So we're basically saving these um baby mangroves from being compost, you know. So uh, pick them up, you know, if they've been run over by a car, don't pick it up. So there's one thing. Also, um, where we plant, the hydrology has to be right. Um, and it's different for each species of mangroves. We do um, three, four different species, red mangrove, white mangrove, and black mangrove. And then buttonwood, which is the gray mangrove, associate mangrove. And the buttonwood kind of is like the buffer between the littoral forest and the mangrove um, system. Um, red mangroves can be in the water or they can be close to the water. Black mangroves like to be, um, you know, they can handle the different salinity during the year, whether it's dry or they're soaking wet. And white mangroves are just cool all around. Um, so we have to really be careful of where we're planting them. Another thing we learned this year was our gaso is really, really hard. They just choked out a lot of our um, mangroves that we planted on our west side. And I mean, our east side. And we even planted them in mangrove or we call them bam bamboo encasement tubes. We actually collected the bamboo off the beaches, cut them into pieces, drilled holes and use those to protect the baby mangroves when they were in the water and rough water and things. And that actually turned out to be uh, smart. <laughs> so, but really you have to pick, choose and refuse where you plant, uh, what you're planting. And, um, and also, you know, when in the nursery, um, if they've been in the nursery for a while, you have to harden them a little bit to the environment that you're going to put them in. So if they're going into a saltwater situation and I've been planting them or watering them with fresh water, then um, I have to water them for a couple of days with salt water before I introduce them back into the marine environment. Ah, so it has to be like a gradual transition for them in terms of the... The, the the chemical change what all is involved in the process can you walk us through it a little bit to harvest we go out to um and the red mangrove is the one with the almost the pencil like 
tropical and it's already a tree you know it's got the ability to breathe air and to have gas exchange and float around um so anyways we pick the good ones we bring them back to the nursery and we put them in buckets with water and then they start to root um as soon as they get um stimulated on the bottom they start to grow roots and um after a couple of weeks they are ready to go in the ground but not all of ours go in the ground all at once. So I have two and three-year-olds that we transplant quite um, successfully also. To come on back, we decide where we're gonna plant. We get permission to plant at the site. We do a site assessment if it needs cleaning up. We draw a map of the site. Um, we choose our mangroves, the best ones that uh, we can out of our nursery. And um, off we go, we plant, we post hole diggers, wire mesh, um, mesh holders we make out of sticks. Everything that we have used has been scavenged off the beach or off construction sites. We call it going to the mall. And um, <laughs> it's fun, right? It's, it's been great. And then after we plant them, we also have to post signs, you know, saying that this is protected site, um, given permission for this site. And then we have to, we choose um, two mangroves and we mark those mangroves with a little piece of yarn because those will be the ones that we measure every month, measure and monitor. So we don't have to measure all of them. We measure two to see how they're growing and how they're doing every month. They need to be watered if they're on land. And like sometimes we also plant littoral forests like Xeracote or Gumbo Limbo or Poly Redhead, things like that along with our mangroves. And those need um, to be watered for a week or two after transplanting because they, they've been shocked. You know, they get shocked into the system. And then basically, um, you know, the data that is um, collected comes back to me on data sheets and then that goes into the computer and then I send that to the powers that be. <laughs> to prove that uh, the mangrove is taken. With all this experience growing mangrove, I wonder, since that original instance you had that experience where the mangrove you had planted had been cut down, what has been your experience uh, with too frequent occurrence of mangroves being cut down without permission from the government or from the relevant stakeholders? Yes, this is a this is a ongoing irritation of mine. And um you know, they, they cut it and then they laugh in your face because they know who I am. They know I'm the mangrove maniac and, and I, you know, love everything mangrove. And they'll go, yeah, I cut down, you know, I cleared my, my lot yesterday. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, you're so stupid. Um, sorry to say that, but like there's other ways. There's no, there's no one to consult with. I want to work with real estate people. I want everyone to have mm -hmm. some sort of mangrove sympathy training, you know, sensitivity training um, for our natural green spaces. Um, right now, it's it's happening. I was just told they're chopping in the small little BTI mini reserve um, this morning. And I don't know if they're chopping, like if they're up a tree getting coconuts or if they're actually chopping something in there i don't know but everybody knows the rule that they you know the the word is between developers is you you say sorry and don't ask for permission because the permit process is long and the you know for some of these big guys 
$25,000 is nothing. It's just a drop in the bucket as long as they get what they want. There seems to be a degree of arrogance in that attitude too, in that they, they don't seem to recognize the vulnerability that they introduce to themselves when they get rid of these mangrove habitats for the sake of developing some sort of profit earning business at a resort or a restaurant of some kind. I, I'm very interested in this as a topic um, with with regard to developments like of entire islands that are hap- like mangrove islands that are bought. And then it seems as though it's left up to the purchaser to determine whether or not they're going to cut that mangrove. But it seems to be a bit absurd that a mangrove island can be totally transformed without that extensive, um, you know, Department of the Environment process. But um, I'm guessing that that's something that depending on, I've heard from other people that it's a little arbitrary what gets to, what's required to go through a longer NIAC process of uh, determining whether or not a decision is going to have lasting effects on the environment. Yes, I think the process should be more accessible. Like there should be a forestry department representative on every little island or, or close by. Um, I suggested a while ago to the forestry department, perhaps they should have special forest rangers, just like they have special police officers um, that can be deployed and give out tickets. Just the fines themselves would probably pay the salaries and the rent for wherever they are. And um, it sure would be, you know, I've offered to print out permits for people and they go, no, 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 it's okay. You know, I want to make it easier for people. I want to, you know, recommend, um, yes, this. they want to do it right. Let's allow them to do a little trimming here. And the other thing with development, they, I don't know, where do they get the idea that this concrete wall with a stretch of beach with no shade is, is a beautiful thing, some palm trees, you know, it's just not right. There is mm-hmm. beautiful land, natural landscaping on Key Cocker. Um, uh, my friend Ron Oster, who um, allowed us to plant over at, on his place, it's he's he's cut and chews around all his trees. It's beautiful pathways. There's birds everywhere. There's there's berries. It's just so there's shade. There's a breeze whipping through there. It's just absolutely gorgeous. And if people just could could just know that there's an there's a there's an alternative to cutting and clearing that whole mm-hmm. mindset is like don't you walk through your property and and go oh a nice little house would go here and I've already got a tree here to shade that side of my house I'll put a dock here because there's a beautiful mangrove here that'll shade around my dock and you know oh man I just we just need the mindset to just yeah, there's something about how the mangrove environments are that is somehow against the minds of what people imagine an island environment should be like. I don't know if it's because people all want the white sandy beaches and just want that with nothing, but they want Miami Beach. Yeah, and little do they know that people of Miami Beach would, I think they would very much kill to have this sort of biodiversity that is possible on our islands, but um, it seems that as though there's, yeah, the Miami Beach vision is what overwhelms people's imagination, I guess. Yeah, it's it's also a little bit of willful ignorance to to actually 
know, there's enough information out there on why it's so important to have mangroves in the, around your island. Um, I mean, all the children know, you know, it stops erosion. We need it for nurseries. We need it for a healthy, um, for our livelihoods. We need it for, for the carbon sink. You know, we need everything about mangroves and to remove it and put up a concrete wall, which will cost more in the end to maintain and fix throughout the years than leaving a mangrove buffer in front. If you want your, if you want to put a concrete, put it behind the mangroves so that they stay in the water and, and don't get cut down. And it's, you know, and it's all about, all the all the ecosystems together the reef system the seagrass the mangroves the rubble zone all of that is being just wiped out mindlessly by humans and there was a woman uh, forgive me i forget her name but she did a survey and if this island this particular island is left to develop unfettered as it is the island is going to be just a concrete zone, no sewage disposal, no, like it's, it's growing exponentially. No one can stop anyone. No one, everyone feels powerless to stop it. And if we add climate change to that whole thing, I don't even really, sometimes I just shake my head and go, well, Hate to be a doomsday person, but you know, Keycocker's not going to be around in 2050. Yeah, it's highly doubtful given the rates at which the sea level is rising at this point and the total, you know, the the disregard I'm I continue to feel by the government for how profoundly change people's lives will be. Sometimes when I'm giving it them the benefit of the doubt, I tell myself maybe they don't say enough on it because. They don't want to put people into a panic because there's, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be done and not much money to do it with. But I think more than anything, it is just um, like like you mentioned just now, there, there's some degree of willful ignorance here, pretending as if they don't understand the ramifications of, uh, of all this development that is unchecked. And, you know, I've spoken to Dr. El McKay about this in regards to forest, right, with, with the lack of a national land use policy. And... You reminded me of it when you also said um, that you had mentioned you would be you would be willing to print permits and they told you no. And it's this thing that people don't want there to be clear systems, because if there is a lot of vagueness to the system, then they can take advantage of it and they can be the middle people now. And, and people don't want you to take take that opportunity from them. Yeah. Or like. Me no no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or I don't want to hear that. You know, like it's it's strange. But um, one of the things that we did, uh, you know, I, I am an artist too and a sign painter by trade as well as um, you know everything else that I do. But this project has given me a chance to really be creative with how we plan. I'm really into aesthetics. And so all of the sites that we have, um, we added cute signs, benches, we even made a labyrinth out of stone at one of our sites. Um, we've made green spaces for children. And, um, you know, we've really 
got some beautiful little spots on the island. And so there's those things. And we also at Christmas gave away over 500 baby red mangrove propagals and um, as pet mangroves for um, all the people on the island. And we gave away so many so that people could fall in love with their pet mangrove at home and start to appreciate how long it takes for a mangrove to grow. Um, it, it takes, I've got some three-year-olds that aren't even three feet high and they should be six feet under excellent conditions. But you know, here we do have a lot of wind, we have a lot of waves. Most of our old mangroves don't get much taller than 40 feet. So, um, you know, I have them out. I have my red mangroves at, at, as house plants. <laughs> I got them growing all over my yard. I've got them underneath one of my houses growing, giving me oxygen at night. And yeah, it's just pretty great. And I hope that everyone falls in love with their mangroves, plants them someday even as a gorilla, <laughs> a gorilla planter. Yeah. And we don't mean, just for the viewers, not gorilla, like a, ooh, ooh, not a, not that, not an ape, but like a gorilla. Like no one knows we're doing it. Like gorilla warfare, but we're gorilla planters. That is deeply necessary. To me, what type of gorilla gardening is very much needed in addition to the type you're doing is um, there needs to be more of that happening to provide shade for people within cities because to me, that's one of the big oversights of a lot of the city design is that people don't seem to really give a damn that people who are walking about have no shade and just have to, you know, take a lick like that. There's no um, village beauty planner or, you know, practical um, planning for, for villages uh, to allow people to even build right to the road or at the end of a road while they're mashing down mangroves. And it's just... I don't know. The future, I hope, is brighter than it is the last couple of years. Maybe after COVID, everyone will go, ooh, maybe the world isn't so bad after all. But this climate change, I'm really worried about it, Andre. Um, the sargasso problem is not going to go away. It's only going to get worse. We know that already. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we have, <laughs> you know, the world's on fire and we have billionaires um, throwing a bunch of carbon into the space for their egos and their, I don't know, for their fortune and fame. I, the world is just a nut job, isn't it? Thank goodness we all got a sense of humor. Well, we, we have to have it. I mean, if nothing, you know, that's something that I talk to a lot of people about is that yep. Belizeans, we have become experts at gallows humor, if not nothing else. No, we, 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 we know how to laugh in the face of, of a tremendous, um, shared suffering yeah. <laughs> to not end things on such a dire note though i did did want to get back into the love of mangrove and i just wanted to ask you with all this experience with mangrove as a plant what are maybe one or two things you can tell us about mangroves as a plant or your relationship with mangroves that might help open the opportunity to others to to loving these plants themselves i really like the idea of you gifting um, mangroves as pets to people for them to recognize the slowness with which these plants grow and that's why they're they need to be protected right it's not like we can replace them overnight like a chicken egg let me tell you why i love mangoes so much and they've always impressed me because they have these superpowers the red mangrove it can breathe oxygen like us you know it, it doesn't need oxygen in the, in the soil or the water 
to survive. So it actually has the gas exchange above the root line. It also can get rid of the salt at the root system and send fresh water up to the rest of the leaves and the trees. And if salt water does get past that system, it is shunted to a leaf, the leaf turns yellow, it drops down. Then it starts to um, rot and release um, nutrients. And so it's feeding on its own leaves, basically, super tree, right? Not only that, um, they, the mother tree holds on to her babies. They grow out of a little yellow flower. It starts off as a, this little fruit and then it grows and it becomes like this pencil. When, it, when it's old enough and it's full of nutrition from its mom, it's dropped into the water where it can float around for up to two years until it can find a place to pull up get root stimulation and grow happy for the rest of its life before humans come along. No, hang on. <laughs> um, the other part that I really love about mangroves is when they get tall enough, they actually feel like, you know, they, they sense they're going to fall over. So then they start to send these crop roots from the offending branch. And when that reaches the floor, then it pushes it back up. And that's essentially how they walk out to sea. They create land behind them and they filter the water before it gets to the reef and it filters the water. Like it's just a super, super grand superpower. I'm thinking about maybe um, checking in with Marvel for super mangrove. <laughs> There's gotta be. <laughs> oh man, that, that, that needs to be a crossover because I am a fan of comics and I'm a fan of the environment. And I'm always, I'm always glad to see when they, they clash like this. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, ma mangrove man, woman, something, mangrove something. Yep. Uh, that That's definitely, that needs to be in the pipeline. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much for what you shared there. I, I actually never heard it described that way. You know, some of those properties you mentioned that that sort of, um, that slow movement of theirs into the water, that that's incredible to me. I was imagining it as at, at like an animated. Yeah, it, it is profound what you can recognize as impressive if you reorient your sense of time, right? When when a plant is doing that over years, it's hard to appreciate it unless you're there watching it at every stage. Yes. Oh, yes. It is pretty, you know, when I was mentioning um, the ones that I had planted 20 years ago, we're at 20 almost 22 years ago um you know there's still four left and I'm still a proud mommy and they've had babies so I'm still a proud grandmother mangrove mother <laughs> and um you know it's really neat to see when when your efforts fruit and have babies like I didn't have children <laughs> I forgot to have children and now I'm I'm planting mangoes so I can see baby mangroves flourish and survive for the real children with skin on it. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad to hear that you're the matriarch of a great mangrove empire. And I, I really wish you luck with just growing it as vast as you can, along with the other people of Key Cocker. Um, I think that would only be great. Yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing your fears about you know, the climate crisis, I don't know if you are familiar with the fact that the IPCC report came out yesterday confirming a lot of what people who have been following climate change have already learned, which is that we're in deep trouble, basically. And a lot of stuff that we have taken for granted is we're going to very quickly lose a lot of it. And so right now is a time where a lot of what we spoke about needs to be happening very quickly at a much larger scale. And um 
Well, let's just hope that the education that you know you seem to be invested in and that the show hopes to serve can sway greater minds into realizing that we all need to get on board with protecting all that we can save. Unfortunately, humans um, love to stare. It has to be stared in the face with with it. Like it has to be so close. Um, or else they don't act because if you don't out of sight, out of mind. But now we see that there's a brick wall at the end of this tunnel, and um, and we're coming screeching towards it. So I I know, like I really feel that, um, and I'd like to thank my entire crew, past and present, um, for working and learning and and training with me and planting mangoes happily and. Um, you know, the heartbreak of losing them in a couple storms, you know, we all went through some tears too after hurricanes, back-to-back hurricanes last year. But without, um, you know, and I know that they go home, some of them brought their children with them to to work. And so I know that it will trickle down, but we need it to like waterfall down. And um, I think the schools are doing a great job with the children um, being educated, but we need more, more in-your-face news reporting um, like this. This is perfect, Andre, and I really, really thank you for having me on your podcast. Of course. I'm really glad to talk to people like you who are working on, you know, material benefits to their community. And um, it's it's really inspiring. And I, I'm what I really like about it is that it started from you doing it on your own and just gradually over time getting other people involved and i hope other people recognize that this is something that is feasible and that we can all contribute in our own small way leading to you know four to feet uh, mangrove in decades to come yes man and if people want to go on facebook there's the belize mangrove conservation network that is run by nadia bood from wwf belize and um, it's a great way to keep up on um, what's going on in the mangrove community and um, people who are into the conservation and also um, little little um, hacks, how to plant mangroves and things like that. So um, I invite everyone to go to that Facebook page and check in and, and join. All right. You heard it. You heard it, everyone. Please go check that Facebook group out. It was mentioned on the previous episode that Nadia was a guest on. Yes, you've heard it twice now. That is the group to belong to. And um, yeah, <laughs> let's um, let's make some mangrove. And, you know, you can snitch on people who destroy mangrove. Nobody will judge you for it. That's OK to do. That's right. You can. And, and the forestry department is on Facebook, too. So you can just message them right away if something's going on. And they they're pretty prompt at replying having a little trouble getting people on the ground though all right everybody on the ground we're all working now for the empire Get on the ground so um, <laughs> be sure to do so thanks again Ali. you're welcome very very much thanks again to ali johnstone for coming on the show i hope her work inspires more of you to go out there and get in some guerrilla gardening of your own before we close out it's time to announce the winner of marafaya's art design contest alisa atkinson Atkinson won the $250 cash prize with her revisionist take on the Belize coat of arms featured on the national flag. You can see Atkinson's art on our Facebook and Twitter page. We'll soon be announcing where you'll be able to purchase Atkinson's art on tote bags and t-shirts. Thanks to all those who submitted entries to the contest. We appreciate being able to see all of your work.
If you like the show, please subscribe and consider writing a review for us over on Apple Podcasts as it helps to increase the show's visibility. If you write a five-star review, we will read it on a future episode. If you have a climate crisis or environmental story impacting Belize you'd like to discuss, you can contact us at marafaya at gmail.com or message us on Facebook and Twitter at marafaya and be sure to hit that follow button. Thanks to Alexander Evans for providing our theme song. You can find him on Instagram at Alexander Evans Music and thanks to Demi Williams for providing our artwork. And thanks to you for listening to Marafaya. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. Rest when you can and find some shade. Oh,